0: You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text as this is a recording and lines are now closed.
1: Good morning and welcome to Saturday Morning Live. It's uh, Saturday the 12th of November and you're joined by uh, in the studio today by myself Shaz alone and my uh, co-presenter in the studio today Hamza Vanderman. Hamza, good morning.
0: Sakkam, hi everyone. <coughs> good. It's been a busy uh, busy week. Uh, lot's going on. It's a good show. I think we've got in store.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we'll be touching on um, the protests, obviously that will be happening um, in, in regards to uh, the movement against uh, oil. Uh, that's something we'll be discussing. Um, so let's uh, start off with our news roundup. Um, but uh, before we kick into that, feel free to do call us. Uh, we are a live show here. Uh, you can dial in uh, on 0208 687 7878. Our Twitter handle is at UK. Or via the website at www.voiceofislam.co.uk. Um, so, uh, Hamza, kick us off on the news roundup, and let me just add that we do have our remote reporter today. Uh, Saf, you're on the line as
2: well. Salaam, uh, good morning, gentlemen. Yes, I'm Salaam here. Salaam. Glad to have you
1: join us remotely today. Giving us
0: the view from outside the Morden bubble. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a,
1: it's a big bubble. <laughs> <But it's there. laughs>
0: Good, Hamza. Kick us off with what's been happening. So a lot going on in UK politics. I don't think we, or at least I haven't been on the show since uh, Rishi Sunak has been our uh, new prime minister. Mm -hmm. Uh, So obviously he's been uh, he's been getting going, um, put in place his his new cabinet, and he's already had uh, a number of issues. This week saw uh, Gavin Williamson um, become his first uh, cabinet resignation, um, and. So, you know, only th- what three weeks into the job, two weeks into the job, he's already mm. had to, uh, he's already had one crisis in his cabinet to, to deal with. Gavin Williamson was, uh, uh it, it was basically argued that <clears throat> this was a bit of an own goal. He put Gavin Williamson into his cabinet without even a proper position. He was the minister without, portf- without portfolio, which basically means. Uh, he's an individual who attends cabinet meetings. People understand that he has the ear of the prime minister, doesn't have an actual book of responsibilities other than to ensure that other people around the cabinet are doing as they are told. Um, so it's an interesting job. He he had already been uh, sacked or resigned from the cabinet under two previous prime ministers. Um Uh, both uh, firstly for leaking confidential information uh, and then secondly for uh, allegations around his uh, behavior aggressive behavior uh, and that came back to haunt him again so there were lots of uh, allegations lots of um, uh, accusations of uh, intimidating bullying behavior he's quite an aggressive guy and uh, and then once there were leaks around a number of um uh um, message exchanges that he'd had, also uh, uh, official complaints around language that he'd used uh, to civil servants and other ministers. His position basically became untenable, and he had to resign. And it's, um, I mean, that in itself wouldn't have been an issue, but it's just you know, new prime minister puts his cabinet in position, puts his cabinet in place. Everyone knew about uh, Gavin Williamson's previous form, and so just immediately it put uh, Rishi Sunak on the on the back foot and put him on the back foot, um, asking questions of his judgment, asking questions of why he thought this was a good idea to have him in the cabinet in the first place. And um, as a result, uh, Rishi Sunak took a real kind of heavy beating at uh, Prime Minister's questions this week, um, where, um, where Starmer really put it to him in terms of his weak leadership uh, and having to make all these uh, changes so early in his his premiership, so it's been an interesting week in um, in UK politics.
1: But I mean, if if you look at um, Rishi's uh, premiership so far, I mean it's been less eventful than you know what happened with Liz Truss. So I mean, you can't get much worse than <laughs> the way she had, yeah I mean that know, that's, resignations like, on her
0: watch. That's right. I mean, if that's the benchmark, then you're always you're always going to do okay. But I think people were you know I think if you remember when he came in, there was a lot of talk about oh the grown the grown ups are back at the table there's mm. a lot of that kind of talk and um i mean let's see what let's see what happens obviously the autumn statement um kind of budget round two is going to be the most important uh and the most important event and to yep. see how that see how that lands mm. um And there's already, you know, you know, they've been rolling the pitch for this autumn statement, um, you know, talking about the difficult decisions that need to be made, how to balance the books, the effect of the of Liz Truss's mini budget and how, you know, they're now going to need to take some really tough actions. The problem is you've already starting to see, you know, some of those. Potential uh, policies that they want to put in come out, and um, Tory MPs don't 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 like the uh, yeah. don't like don't like the sound of a lot of them. So I don't think this is straightforward. I think this is, you know, I think this um I think there's a bit of a roller coaster still to go.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, Rishi Sunak uh, has already said that look, everyone will be taxed. I think that's the November seventeenth, um,
0: you know, sort of
1: um, you know prequel, so we say or you know um, the I think it will be. The fact is they have to get inflation under control. That is key. And I think when you tax people more, obviously, there's less money in people's pockets to then go out and, you know, sort of, uh, you know, shift prices even higher. So I think that's a given. But we did see yesterday that I think the GDP number had shrunk by 0.2%. So if you're already seeing that uh, the economy is slowing down to a degree, then you would think that along with the taxes, hopefully, should, uh, you know, see us through maybe some short term belt tightening. Um, but would be better for the long run. So I think that's how it looks. Saf, how do you see things from your perspective?
2: I mean, I think, I, I mean, I, I agree. I think the problem that you have is you, you have a, you have a conservative party with so many factions um, and so many differing views. I think when Rishi came in, I think the one thing that he did recognize is that he has got the very fractured party and he needed to sort of involve as many different parts of that party in part of his cabinet. Um, so I think he, I, I don't think his premiership is always going to be blighted, and we've seen this sort of with the, with the last few prime ministers. It's you know it, it gets blighted by those factions. I, I think with Liz Truss, the problem was that she completely ignored all of the other factions and only got um, friends and allies in place, and you can see sort of what happened with that, right? You know the knives were almost out, almost uh, immediately, and I think Rishi's tried to be the grown-up, but I, I, I think you, you cannot get away from the fact that the, the current Conservative Party—they've been in—they've been in party for a very long time. Sorry, they've been in government for a very long time. Um, and I think ultimately that sort of creates—that uh, that creates a um, uh, a form of uh, you know there's just uh, you become too big at that point, and you you think that anything that you can do, you, you, anything that you think is the right way. And that's created all of these different sort of parts, you know, like the Brexit sort of faction, the kind of uh, the liberal um, um, faction that, you know, that Liz Truss sort of came from and uh, probably the more progressive part, which I guess Rishi is probably a little bit more, it, 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 it's, it's, I think for, for want of a better phrase, I think there is a moment in time now that people are requiring a change, they want a change. Um, and uh, as a result, uh, I, I, you know, you, you always feel that he was sort of in a bad position to begin with. You know, he was always sort of mm. hiding for nothing, um, and it's it's coming to fruition. What did you he say? He's brought back better? a little bit of
1: confidence, though. I mean, I know Sterling has picked yeah, up. this he has. week.
2: No, no, he. I mean, he definitely has, and I think the market definitely should <laughs> sort of, uh, uh, you know, would agree that you know he's a much more competent player. Him and Jeremy Hunt make a much more competent team. You know, mm. they they have that um, they they have that uh, experience behind them. Um, they they are the grown-ups, and they very much were the more experienced players. Um, I think what Liz Truss was trying to do uh, just sort of proved. You know that you know you can try and be radical, but um, there's a reality to to you know like radical sort of economic policy and. That's something that um, Rishi and Jeremy understood, and I think in this particular moment in time, um, in this, you know, especially when you're going through a recession and you're going through a cost of living crisis, you're going through a real crisis in general um, with mm. the economy. You do need safe a safe pair of hands, and I think the market sort of respects that. So you don't see that much in the market reaction in terms of you know like all of these little things about David Williamson. I, I think this is again it becomes a political sort of backdrop. Um, look I, I i mean i don't think I do think that they need to change. I think the problem with the conservative parties is I think they do need to sort of have a rethink and a relook at it and sort of realign themselves and I don't think they should be in power whilst they're doing that
0: <laughs> i mean the the difficult bit here of course is um that you're now having some you know, really tough policies kind of floated out there um just this morning it's now being um <clears throat> uh, reported that uh, Rishi and um, Jeremy Hunter looking at uh, reducing the um, the 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 amount that the top. Um, percentage of tax is taken at. So at the moment, forty five percent over one hundred fifty thousand. I think we all remember that actually Liz Truss was looking to get rid of that um, policy and get rid of that. And now actually, rather than mm. rather than just the U turn on keeping that in place, it's now coming down to one hundred twenty five thousand. Uh, and then you've got other tax increases across the board going on. I think the only one that isn't going to You turn on is national insurance and then you've got these big spending cuts coming through and i think you've just got a lot of tory mps thinking um well no one really voted for this no one saw this coming back in the leadership election when Liz Truss was selected you know Rishi Sunak wasn't talking about this stuff he was talking about well you shouldn't be doing some of the stuff that Liz Truss is doing because it would exaggerate the problem but none of these policies were really being spoken about and so I think both Tory MPs and the public will think well, what on earth has happened in the last three months um, and we all know the answer, but you know, what, how on earth have we got ourselves into this situation where these policies are coming out that even this guy wasn't talking about, wasn't proposing, didn't say were necessary uh, in when they were running their leadership election a few months ago? Uh, and I think that's a real, I think that's a real problem. And and um, while you're right, uh, while well, I think it's right that the markets were okay, mm. the problem is um, that you know that's not how politics or democracy works and um i think a lot of people are going to see this get very angry and i'm not sure how long you know how how tenable it is for the prime minister then to sit there and go we'll have a general election in two years time
2: yeah i mean i agree with it i mean i think uh, but i think and i don't know what your guys feeling is i think everyone's pretty much agreed now that there there will be a change of government in two years you know it's almost like this um the, the difference in polling is so high that, we're so, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an expectation. It's, you know, like it's sort of accepted that there will be a change. So it's almost like he's there to almost steady the ship. Yep. You know, up until that point. So all of this kind, kind of political movement here, there, it's sort of, I, I, for me personally, it just becomes new. Mm. It's, it's, you know, it's just background sort of stories it's just to sort of keep us interested in politics <laughs> rather than, uh, <laughs> rather than actually, I, I, I don't think, I think the actual idea that Gavin Williamson ha- holds that much sway in how the party is run is, is limited. <laughs> mm. So I think it almost becomes, it's just a background story for me. I think, you know, I would be more interested in what the, what the policies that they're going to bring in. I'm not saying that it's, it, that there's uh Nothing in it because I do think it becomes a bit Punch and Judy, you know. And I do think that there is the sort of drama of politics. It's 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 important and it's interesting. Um, but in the, in the grand scheme of things, I think these are the kind of things that you know. It's not like when Liz Truss was around because you know some of those those were big big revolutionary poli- policy changes that were if they were to have been enacted, could have really thrown the economy out of kilter altogether. Mm. And you look at back at Boris Johnson, for example, you know, when he was leaving, you did think that there was a real shift of, um, there was a shift of direction of where the government was going and where the country was going, because they did come in with very specific ideas and very, um, you, you know, there, 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 was a, there was a modus operandi which was not working. And it did, to, to a large degree, it's a, it, it saturated uh, politics and it probably gave UK politics a bit of a bad name. Um, I think there has been a little bit of a reset. I think there's an acceptance that this, current, and I, again, I'm not anti-Tory or anything like that, but I think we have to look at the reality of it. Is that currently um, the current Tory party is in such disarray that you know I think I think the general populace is now expecting a shift anyway. So this now just becomes sort of background, <laughs> background. Uh, uh, background views. Yeah, I know, mean, look, I day. think
1: it is damage limitation for the Conservative Party for sure, um, and yeah, I think that they'll, whatever oh, whatever credibility you can get back after such a disastrous uh, faux pas, uh, especially economically, by uh, Liz Truss and and Kwasi Kwarteng, when it, when that all happened. So I, I, I don't see why the Conservative Party would go for an early election. They have already said that they won't do that. And I think for them, this is your time still in the shop window to say, look, we can steady the ship. Yes, we understand we probably won't win the next election, but we're going to try our best and we'll get another go around. But, um, but from, a, from a social perspective and, you know, f- uh, talking from people of South Asian origin, um, are you proud, of, or proud that Rishi Sunak is in power? You know, someone of 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 South Asian descent uh, is has re- risen to the top job in the country.
0: Oh me, yeah. I mean, I, I yeah, I like it. I think I've, I've I've had people getting angry at me on the show before for saying that um so for saying that I unashamedly like it. Um yeah. and um <clears throat> you know I think it's important that you know our kids can look at the TV and see mm. uh, someone you know who looks little bit like them short slim uh, <laughs> uh you know in the uh in in that office and i think that's mm. i think that's really important regardless of uh regardless of policies regardless of politics <clears throat> uh, for me i think that's really important that diversity that representation that people can look up and say you know he looks he looks like me um that office is not bar yeah. i'm not barred from that position yes um because of my background uh in terms of ethnicity and i, I and for me i think that's really important yeah, I agree. What's what's your thoughts on that, Zaf?
2: No, I mean, exactly exactly the same. I think um, you know the fact that you the fact that we now have representation. Um, we always spoke about, uh, you know, th- we have sort of seen it in the US that you know you did have uh, someone of um, of color that came into uh, into power, and what a I, I think there was a transformative moment in. Uh, in U.S. politics, at least, you know, at that point, I mean, they still have issues, as as do we, right? We, mm. the U.K. still has issues. Um, it's not that suddenly, oh, for example, you know, Rishi Rishi Sunak's become prime minister, and you know, we're all singing "Kumbaya" around the campfire. It's um, sure. It's more a case of there is a progression. There is now a moment where we can say that happened, um, and it, I think you know, going back to sort of what we what. Got someone that is very much a an adult has sort of approached it with um, with competency, um, and they've shown their competency uh, to be able to do the role. Um, Yeah, look, I I think it's a positive step. Again, you know, we we'll probably all have different sort of political views, um, and uh, I think in that position, you you want people to focus on those rather than whether someone's, you know, what ethnicity someone's background is. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um,
1: but, uh, yeah, but I mean, I was just talking to uh, someone from um, Kenya, East Africa, recently, uh, who's quite a successful industrialist, and uh, his point was that it's been 50 years since um, what happened is a lot of East Africans left uh, in 1972, I think it was, from Uganda, and Prince Charles hosted, I think, a 50-year sort of anniversary dinner for a lot of these people who actually came to the UK. And one of the comments, um, you know, that, uh, this person that I met was, uh, he said that you, you can't forget one thing is that, you know, they welcomed a lot of Asians to this country at that point. Um, and to think 50 years later that someone is in the top job, you know, of that background, uh, it's quite something, um, just unto itself. You're right. The politics element, that's, you know, everyone has
2: differing views. Um, but, um, you know land of opportunities no, but, I, um, but that's the important part right i mean that's mm. i mean it, it, the fact is that we do have differing views is that we're not one hom- homogeneous sort of uh uh group that you know we all think the same and we all do the same i think that it's important mm. that you know he does come in and then it, it is recognized that um we all have um you know we all view things differently we all have our own backgrounds and our own sort of ways of not that we're, we're a block, <laughs> you know, it's just uh, that is all the same. So I think I I actually I do think it's a very positive step. I, I, I really do. And, um, uh, you know, as I said, we can now talk about politics rather than sort of what the background is.
1: True. Absolutely. Um, next story, Hamza?
0: Well, on the softer side of uh, UK mm. politics, we've uh, obviously had Matt Hancock in uh, Celebrity Get Me Out of Here, having having lots of fun, um, put, being put up for challenges every week. So, um, I've been, enjoying, I've been enjoying that. How about you, Charles? Um, I ha- haven't really caught up on top-quality television uh, this week. I've uh,
1: been quite a busy week at work. Um, so um, I haven't done, but I-, I will confess that that's one of those trash TV things you can stick on at any moment in time. And actually, that was the first show I saw last night. I saw a snippet of it, and I saw him talking about he wanted um, some kind of form of forgiveness. There you go. So, you know, um, it's, it's quite... You know, it must be a tough life, you know, going all the way to the jungle, getting paid £400,000, just ask for forgiveness in front of the UK public. I mean, brilliant.
0: <laughs> But what? So, I Abid, mean, what do we? What do we make of this? He's still a sitting MP. He's still supposed to be, um, you know, voting on stuff in the Commons. Still supposed to be looking after his constituents. And he decides to um, swan off onto TV. His line is that it enables him to talk to the electorate in a way, the wider public in a way that you know most politicians aren't able to. People can relate to him and other politicians in a way they can see the human side. What do we make of that,
1: Saf? What do you think?
2: Yeah, I mean, um, it's not my thing, I'll be very honest. Um, It's, uh, um, yeah, it's a hard one because, I mean, you can understand a little bit uh, where they're coming from and, you know, like sort of making them a little bit more human. But at the same time, I think this is more, um, I would would go as far as saying, I think this is actually more about his personal reputation Mm -hmm. and sort of you know, probably washing his uh, personal uh, reputation. So, um, look, I mean, on that front, (laughs) I don't don't really know what to say. I think um, he's he's gone in. I I think there's been some clips that I have seen on, you know, social media and they're pretty cringy. (laughs) um, um, You know, look, he's got him singing and cheering. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, oh god, it was painful. <laughs> but you know, the thing is, I mean, you take something like that, and then you, you know, at the end of the day, he is a politician, so it's going to be decided by the public whether they want to keep him in place. Um, and uh, you can say this is a political move. Whether it's going to backfire, I think he's going to figure out very, very soon. Um, I'm bearing on. So far, I'm bearing on the uh uh, on the camp that i i think that this was not a good move and i think he will he will suffer politically because of it but
0: benefit from it publicly (laughs) (laughs) which i Uh, think i I think i think he's basically decided he doesn't care about politics anymore and and he wants and he wants he he's probably gets shouted at when he goes down the street and he probably thinks do you know what i've had enough of just being screamed at when i walk down the street Mm. let me see if i can try and change that and and um be a bit more like Ed Balls,
2: but I think yeah. But I think the problem with him is essentially because because of everything that happened around COVID um, mm. and uh, some of the mistakes. And again, you know, those are, those are debatable whether mistakes were made, whether he you know it was a complete success or failure. Mm. Uh, I think there is a large portion of the of the population that do believe that it was a failure, um, and. Uh, that's something that it's not easily that's not I mean, three three weeks in a jungle on tv I, I don't think that that's gonna whitewash it so again my that, that again, my personal opinion is i think that pr wise this was a bad bad decision um as i said i'm not a professional in that field so i don't know <laughs> i don't know i don't know if you can turn it around and i don't know what advice is being given and how it could possibly thing, but at the moment, I would say that from what I'm reading and from social media and newspapers, I I, I don't think he's getting the benefit of the doubt. Yet. <laughs>
0: well, I am a professional in the uh, in the field, yeah. but I'm not going to be uh, on the record as to what my <laughs> view is. Um, but I think it is probably way. It is too early, I think, to tell what what the uh, whether it w- was a good or bad decision, mm-hmm. and uh, t- time time will tell. But moving on to where you're probably watching all those videos social media has been fun on Twitter this week Elon mm-hmm. Musk is now you know fully in charge he bought that platform for 44 billion dollars it now seems to be on the brink of bankruptcy uh, I'm not quite sure how he's done that he's fired half the staff he then had to reinstall half of them because he realized that he needed them for some of the updates that he was making uh, he's decided um, that you can Um, buy the blue authority tick he's now changed his mind on that because um, people were (laughs) simply buying that pretending to be um, uh, well not even pretending they bought the tick for eight dollars a month were then um, performing as if they were the official feeds for people companies including tesla (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, and and Jesus make Christ, and oh, there you go. And act, yeah, acting cool. as parody accounts, mm. um, which was causing huge problems to actual corporates. I've been in the middle of some of this uh, this week, uh, so he's had to he's had to take that down. He then launched an official stamp. He then changed his mind on that. Uh, he's been tweeting relentlessly about what he's going to do, what he was not going to do. Mm. It all seems a bit of a mess. He's only a week into the job, I think, properly. Um, what's going on?
1: I think he's bitten off more than he can chew, to be honest. I mean, obviously, you know, people do testify to the fact that he's a genius. I did see that, you know, in terms of, I mean, engineering, SpaceX and what he does, he's not actually, uh, doesn't have a degree in engineering. He just learned on the job. Um, so obviously there's some genius in the guy. There's no doubt about it. Tesla's had a massive impact. Perhaps, I mean, in both, well, we see it in the streets here, but particularly in the US, um, you know, the fact is he has made... You know electronic vehicles you know sort of um you know fashionable so to speak um and some of the tech in those has been amazing but i think he's going now into realms which are way outside of his remit uh, essentially and his skill set you know um he comes across as someone who's socially awkward why would you take a social platform then you know all right you want to have a level playing field and You know, you don't want algorithms, you know, um, I guess, dictating what we see and hear and share and tweet to one another. But uh,
0: it seems like a little bit of a vanity project. I think that's I think that's exactly right. I think he um, I think he bought this platform because he just thought that he knew best in terms of how to run it, what to do with it. Mm. And. As if the people who'd been working there for the last 10 years hadn't gone through a kind of um, period of learning understanding what works what doesn't work Mm. as if they haven't done any research into some of these things that he was thinking of um and i think you're 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 totally right he's um i think he's learning very quickly that this isn't going to be as easy or straightforward as he thought
2: it might i I mean i think the problem with twitter for a large portion of it, I think, sort of where it came from and what it was. If you look at it prior to... Uh, well, I mean, if you even look at it now, it's never been a profit-making business. In actual fact, mm. Jack Dorsey, who is the original founder um, of, uh, of Twitter, putting it together, I, I think it was sort of seen as a, you know, as a service um, and a provider of a service and he got a lot of backing because of that um, because people did recognize that there was, there was a, a real used to it i think musk and you know i agree with others. i think the thing with musk is he is a genius in a certain sense i mean he's a visionary mm. um the problem is i don't particularly believe that he's if you look at his background i don't think he, that he's a particularly good businessman as a result um mm. and what he's suddenly done is he's sort of come into twitter which actually worked and as a vision it actually works for what it's supposed to do um, he's tried to make it a business when he himself is not actually a very good businessman I don't and I don't say that because I think uh, and I don't say I say this in uh, in, in a different sort of form Because if you look at something like Tesla and if you look at SpaceX Neither of them again, they were visions, right? They were visions of how you sort of create something and make something thing I think the fact that they became a good business was a byproduct of a very good vision. Oh. I think Twitter is, is a very good is, vision. This, this is
0: big talk, Seth. This is big talk. No, no, no. I'm someone is a billionaire I, I, and he's not a successful businessman.
2: <laughs> no, no. It's again, it's not about being a business. I mean, some sometimes, for example, do you, you look at someone like, for example, Mark Zuckerberg. Again, they're visionaries, right? The actual business side is actually controlled by someone else. They have CFOs. They have some very, you know, like intelligent people on that that side of things of how to run businesses and how to make businesses, because they are essentially, they, they are, the problem that I said, again, with Twitter was, he comes into a company where the vision is already there, it's already intact, and it's sort of working. You actually need people that have a um, that have that sort of, you know, that, that, that can actually run a business, that yeah, can look at, look you, at books. You... But hang on and if you look
0: at something out. like Tez, if you look I mean as you as we're seeing at Twitter, I don't think Elon Musk listens to many people. So I don't no, think on doesn't. one hand yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I don't think on one hand you can say uh you know he's he he's making bad calls at Twitter and it's not gonna work. Um, but at Tesla, all the credit should go to somebody else for, on the business side of things because he listens to them and lets them call the shots on that. I mean, at Tesla, well, but, he must but be, again. He, up, he's he's made all difference.
2: those Yeah, yeah, but there's a difference between having a business strategy and a business plan, and uh, actually having a vision as to what you want something to to be. So, say Tesla was very much visionary of I want electric cars. I want them to be good. I want them to be uh, have the ability to sort of uh, do you know, like the sort of thing? Tesla was actually loss-making for very many, many years. It's only until recently, within the last five, six years, that it's actually been making any money whatsoever. And that was not down to him. That was actually, I mean, sorry, not down to him in the sense of the actual books. You know, like the actual working out where factories should be, where you know, like where do you get uh, the most bang for your buck, whether uh, you have a factory in a certain area and whatnot. The actual vision of what he wanted was a good one. It it still needs to be seen through um, by, uh, by people. You know, like, again, I would not, you know, I would not trust myself, for example, on uh, PR aspects, you know, like public relations of a company. But I think, you know, like I could probably sort of get the book thing. You know, you, you, there's different people that have different abilities. What I think is he is in this particular case with Twitter specifically. He's coming to a company which has already had a vision, which is already good, but he's trying to take it over to try and balance the books, which is not something he's ever he's ever had to do in an, uh, in other places. Because Tesla, as I said, was running losses of big losses for a long, long while. Mm. Um, but he always got the backing of people because other people believed in the vision of what he was trying to achieve. You still need people around you to make that thing. At the moment, he doesn't have people around him he's trying to be everything you know he's got rid of his whole board he's decided to be the sole director of the company mm-hmm. he's sort of making these very large decisions about blue ticks and things like that not actually recognizing that the blue tick itself there was a big value in that in in, in itself but not one that people should pay for because um you, you know, like for example if you can buy it then yes you you're sort of buying credibility which uh which is something that twitter was quite uh, sort of keen on doing in in the first place so that's where I think, in this particular instance, I think with Twitter, it's all gone wrong because just I, I, I think the way that he's approached it is very much, you know, the vision was already there, and that's what I think he's amazing at. I think he's he's amazing at sort of having a vision of doing something, and sort of going full fully fledged into sort of achieving that vision. When the vision's already there, I don't think that there is much use for him uh, in that in that uh, in that sort of setup but yeah you're right it's it's big talk but I I stick by my guns
0: No, I like it I I stick by my guns I I mean all I'd say is I mean there's lots you know there's lots of entrepreneurs out there who have big visions who kind of take a company to the first stage Mm. of growth you know to the public markets and then rapidly move out because they can't grow it properly they can't take it to the next phase you know that isn't something you can land at his feet you know he's taken Tesla from nothing to what it is today you know more valuable than like the other top five car firms combined I mean in terms of shareholder value there's probably no one on the planet who's ever created more so um i think it's pretty i think it's pretty bold to say he can he can only do the visionary piece um but i but i completely agree i'm not sure what's what's going on at twitter and i think what he has had what you're right in saying is that all his other places because he was also the founder he was able to build teams around him as he went Um, and he also therefore uh, was able to learn as he went, so I'm sure he was learning all the time at Tesla in terms of failure, what works, what doesn't, as the company was Ooh. growing. And what he hasn't, and what he maybe, what maybe he's done, he's underestimated. Uh, the, you know, along the journey of his other firms you know he, how much he how much he learns and how much people learn in terms of what they need what they don't need and I, I, here look, he's this... just landed into this you know huge public sphere ha- without that learning um yeah. and is probably you know un- you know massively underestimated how important that was
2: i think there's also there, there is a there is a thing about the price tag i think there is an underlying issue the price tag was i mean i think if you speak to any analyst they would look at that price tag and it was a little bit ridiculous but it was because Elon Musk was doing it, that there must be a reason why $44 billion for a company made sense, and especially a loss-making company. I think what's ended up happening is he's looked at it and he's thought, my God, I've spent $44 billion on a (laughs) loss-making company. How do I make this work? Um, And, you know, you have seen, you know, like you've seen people having to leave, you know, having to, then he's sort of trying to introduce charging for certain things. And it's all beginning and I do I think it's the it's that sort of weight of having that huge price tag because you've got to try and uh, you've got to try and prove it to 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 the lenders because i from what I understand there's a, there's a lot of big banks that that yeah. have a lot <laughs> have, a, have a lot um, uh, uh, banking on this uh, project
1: um, just looking at it from a slightly different angle, um, obviously Elon Musk has come in and he reinstated a lot of accounts that were banned. Um, for example, uh, Kanye West, who's a, a music artist and has been in the news uh, quite a lot recently, and and has made some uh, quite a lot of anti-Semitic um, comments, which have been taken quite badly. Naturally, um, I think, do we feel that opening or the way that Elon Musk is going about using social media and, and opening up Twitter to you know people who've had bad accounts and what have you, are we really? heading in the right space by allowing people just to make whatever comments they want without repercussion or with any kind of you know sort of um you know regulation uh, of what's being said i mean what is that you know what kind of society is that going to lead us into if we can just say anything and everything that we want should there not be some
2: filters in place yeah i mean i mean go on sorry sorry, no no please I was going to say, I mean, with, with that, I think, again, I think that was a commercial decision made because, uh, quite frankly, when you did have the more... Um, and I don't think it's about what their political views are. I don't think it's the fact that they're ultra-right-wing or anything like that. I think the the reality was that they they drew an audience onto Twitter. I mean, when Donald Trump was on there... You know you would you would constantly get you know, he would do a tweet overnight, and then the, you know like the whole thing would go in a frenzy the following day. Mm. and I think that's what I, I don't think that this is a choice of, oh, um, you know we're, we're, uh, we 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 want to ban you know we want to bring people on because of you know, like for free speech. I think it's very clearly for me, I mean, again, I think that it was a decision made on the basis of actually these guys being mm. on there creates more. Uh, more flow, mm. m- more or less. You know, like we, we get more we get more traffic as a result of uh, these people being on on the platform. So I, I I mean my view is I think it's a commercial decision. Is it a good commercial decision? Probably for com- uh, you know for commercial reasons it is. But is it good for um, society? I would go as far as I don't think anyone particularly cares <laughs> if, if you're if you're currently sitting on the board of Twitter and you're sort of wondering how do we sort of balance the books. I think it's, uh, it, it's that almost becomes an irrelevance. But I do think it is a problem for society. But um, again, you, uh, judging by the way that they're going about things, yeah. I, I think it's probably less of an issue.
0: I mean, the freedom of speech one is interesting, isn't it? Because, it, I mean, we don't have blanket freedom of speech anywhere, really. Mm. Anywhere, right? There's legal, there's legal restrictions on it. There's one, yeah. you know, you can't you, um, uh, hate speech uh inciting uh violence that type of stuff is you can be racist on twitter
1: openly when when uh the european championship happened and You bakaya saco missed penalties people were openly racist about yeah
0: so that's different isn't it to to, so i think it's where the line is on on Mm. on twitter because you could be openly uh sorry i'm not saying i condone it but you can be openly racist i guess to an extent on the street as well as long as you're not inciting violence or hatred right Mm. and i guess what what um the the what what it's obviously a different platform because it's public and it can go to millions of people, yeah. right? So it's okay. Like, how do, and Twitter and this is where the difficulty is. How do you police that? But to say mm. uh, you should have blanket freedom of expression, freedom of yeah. speech on Twitter is like saying, well, you should have more rights on Twitter than you do on the street, yeah. which isn't the case. So I guess the point is, well, how do you police Twitter? legally and enforce those legal restrictions in a way that you can enforce it on the street and mm. i guess where it becomes very difficult is the anonymous handles because then you don't know who do those who those individuals are but those anonymous handles if they do stray into illegal territory mm. should i think are, are taken down so the, the the difficulty is where do you where and that is at the end of the day i think was when donald trump's feed um, channel was taken down Not because people just didn't like What he was saying from a freedom of speech Point of view, it was, he was inciting Violence, right, mm-hmm. he was he was Whipping up the crowd and asking People to commit violent acts That's illegal, you can't Do that on the street, sure. you can't yeah. do that on Twitter, so I think you, you've got to be really Clear about where are the lines And there's one thing about saying where What freedom of speech should be Online, but if it's a broader speech About broader thing about what should freedom of speech be in our society everywhere well that's a that's a totally different discussion that you don't need to have that you don't need to involve twitter in that discussion that's just a totally different societal issue around where should the law sit and where shouldn't it sit Mm. um which is which is to some extent irrelevant to twitter
2: yeah i mean i i I completely agree i think i mean it's uh (laughs) It that's I mean, it is a very complicated conversation, the one about free speech, because it then becomes a case of you know where where does offence? I think the the real question is where does offence start and end, um, and at what point can you sort of have you, where can you have a genuine uh, disagreement with someone um, without sort of causing an offence? I mean you know there's there's a, there's a number of topics uh, that people discuss and. We really do start varying on, you know. I mean, and there is a cancellation. Uh, there is a cancel culture that is sort of inbuilt, which people do worry about. Um, and I think some of those fears are, are 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 correct. You know, like you 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 know, there there is elements of it where you sort of say, you know, if some if something's been done or if something's been said sort of a certain time frame ago and whatever, should should someone still have to be held accountable for it? Um, yeah, it's a hard one. I mean, I'm I'm not really sure. I'm usually I'm usually liberal in my view of you know let people say things and then be but also be ready to be criticised for their views or you know or be challenged for their views. But yeah, there is a line, um, and it's very hard to find someone. The problem is in a in a in a private company like Twitter, who who then decides that right? It's it's not it's not done by the masses it's, it's done it's, it's done by a corporate choice rather than a uh, rather than a choice done for for the good of public uh, for, the, for the public good totally right and um
0: i mean the next story based loosely on some of the stuff we discussed is obviously what's been going on in the us this week's us elections mm-hmm. um there you know donald trump had been very active Putting his support behind various uh, Republican candidates for the Senate, um, uh, taking his support against uh, other ones, basically putting forward his uh, uh, people that he supported, and and um, in the run-up to these elections, it had it, the talk had been about whether you needed Donald Trump's support in order to win election, uh, whether you needed Donald Trump's support, um, and how beneficial that would be as a Republican candidate, uh, and uh depending on your viewpoint i guess Mm. what's what's happened that just hasn't happened there'd been lots of talk about the red wave about the republicans storming the senate you know that's normally what happens at a midterm uh as they say um because people are just general generally just don't like the government of the day Uh, and so usually at the midterms um, people use that as an opportunity to stick it to the um stick it to the government and that that Surpri- has surprised a lot of people and that that just hasn't happened uh the republicans may still win the senate but it's down to three states so they may just win it by a state uh that mm. had not been the prediction people would have thought they were going to kind of whitewash it uh and that just hasn't happened and that i think there's two things people are starting to question um you know whether donald trump will run uh, as a result of this it doesn't look as good for him or whether he'll have the support of the gop uh in making that choice so quite interesting
1: yeah, I think it's a an interesting one obviously. Um I think there's I think the way the the world is uh, globally is in particular with this Ukraine war that's ongoing. Um and I think um obviously people have been sympathetic to the situation, but I think um what a lot of Americans who I'd met when I was there recently, their view was that if Trump was in power, they don't think Putin would have had um, you know, the wherewithal to go ahead and do this, knowing that there's someone probably as, uh, you know, as unhinged as him on the other side, you know, with, with a nuclear button to press as well. Um, so it's a bit of a strange one. Um, I think if he does announce, because I think November 15th, he said there's going to be a big statement to come which is a big statement
0: really big statement
2: yeah absolutely so yeah we'll see what he says
1: and i'm pretty sure it's it's that the he'll be running statement. in 2024
2: the, the, the biggest statement you'll ever hear yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> exactly
1: um but um but yeah i mean i i mean from from what i understand i think uh, people have not been too impressed with biden's general time in office not much as really been achieved uh, as to what i set out to be promised you know there was a big alternate energy push we're still very um, reliant on oil and oil prices are going you know still higher again so it's a bit of a, a mishmash and i think trump does have good chances to come again in 24
0: from what i understand i'd be yeah, amazed think, but- if but Bi- i mean the biden as you'd expect this week was saying that he was uh, probably gonna run or something um but i guess you you know as a sitting president you can't say you're not because as soon as you say you're not running again mm. you basically have no power you're just mr lame duck president aren't you if you yeah. if you confirm mm. you're not going to run but i don't know i'd be amazed if he runs again he's so old
2: yeah <laughs> I mean, I, but i think i mean again i think that the i guess the premise of these elections have been run not, i don't think based on the the people in charge right i, I don't actually think that. The way that this uh, this election was uh, sort of set out, I think there was you know there was a lot of talk about expression, freedom of expression, about abortion rights. You know, like there, there were much more social factors that people sort of based their uh, uh, based their vote on, rather than the sort of you know like who do they think was going to be in charge. I think, and I definitely know that the Democrats very, went very very heavily onto that sort of pro and anti-abortion. Um, uh, discussion, you know, like basically saying women were going to lose their rights. The more Republicans that were going to be uh, in power, and I think they've sort of won that argument um, for for a large part. You know, that that's actually, uh, as we said, with that 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 ripple um, from the Republican side uh, hasn't really taken place. I think issues like Ukraine and th- some. I was actually talking to someone else as well. That, that they say, you know, the issue with th- things like that is ultimately wars that are sort of happening across. You know, like you have to remember, America is a very isolated place, you know, like on the map. Um, it's it's uh, it, it, it's it's pretty much middle of nowhere because, you know, they're not I mean, they've only got Canada and Mexico as uh, uh, neighbors. as neighbors. Mm. Um, whereas, right. you know, something happening in Ukraine is not really at their doorstep. You know, they still have they may have higher energy costs and uh, what have you but none the, nonetheless there's not you know there's no th- real threats that they're going to have shortages like for example they do in europe I mean Europe is mm. very much on our doorstep um the fact that you know they're already talking about in Germany and uh, uh sorry in, in sort of uh, in Europe and even in the u k for example now talking about potential um uh, you, you know uh, control of how much energy we use by even turning the lights off at specific times those are much more um you know those are are things right in your face and you sort of see them and you face them on a day-to-day basis I think the Americans those kind of things can get pushed to the side and you can talk about social issues a lot a lot more and again with the gas prices you know at one point they were talking about it being above five dollars a gallon that was a really big story and now because it's back down towards four dollars a gallon for them um, you know it's become again it's become a non-story so the inflation story becomes less so Hmm. I'm not sure. I, th- I don't think the sort of federal side is that much of an issue in this uh, in this one. I think it was more of a social one, which which, which uh, people came out to vote for.
1: Let's see how things obviously pan out uh, in the U.S. I know um, we we discussed it on the show a few weeks ago, but um, His Holiness, uh, the leader of the Amdi Muslim community, Hazrat Misam Masur Ahmed, uh, Malabi's helper, he had visited um, uh, the U.S. just last month. Uh, And he made a comment in one of his Friday sermons that um, terrifying clouds of war hover above us. Just recently, the American president warned that if Russia uses nuclear weapons, there will be a reaction which would lead to Armageddon. Therefore, the people living in these Western countries should not assume they have become safe by migrating here. No one is safe anywhere. When the minds of these powerful leaders become twisted, they care not for anything. Thus, in this day and age, it's the responsibility of Amdi Muslims to turn to prayer and sincerely worship Allah the Almighty. Uh, He further stated that it's the faithfulness of Amdi Muslims and their relationship with Allah and their prayers that can save the world from its destruction. Generate sympathy in your hearts and then pray for people. Explain to the people that are within your circle of influence that if we do not fulfill our obligations towards Allah and the Almighty and His people, then we will see that the beautiful world before us will turn into barrens and ruins. Therefore, every Amdi Muslim must fulfill their obligations with this realization in mind. So it's... it's, um, hearkening, I think, the fact that His Holiness obviously had made such a a big statement and is able to make that sort of statement in such a wide country as America. Um, And I guess we do hope that, you know, the leaders do see that sense and it doesn't turn into, you know, a
0: uh, show of power um, and destruction. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, And uh there's obviously been developments on that on, in the Russia Ukraine war yes. over the last couple of days which mm. is which is um worth mentioning and updating um listeners on mm. um and that is that uh, the area of Kherson has now been won back by the ukraine with the russians um uh, retreating from the area so that was that's been seen regarded as quite a big uh victory development for the ukrainians and it just goes to continue to show that the um, you know, the, the war is going to go on for a while. It seems there's not going to be a clear cut, um, you know, winner, but the Russians are clearly finding it much more difficult and challenging, mm. um, than I think they had ever, the, the, that they had ever expected. Yeah, no, I think, um, I mean, I think Saf will probably have a bit more
1: insight, uh, in terms of the, the Russian view of things because he has some exposure to that part of the world, uh, through work, but, um, I mean, I think Zelensky is coming out, you know, he's held a historic day and what have you. But um, I think the concern is that the longer this does carry on, you know, people will start to think, especially in the economic environment that we live in now, you know, purse strings are tighter everywhere. You know, are we going to carry on, you know, um, you know, countries that is be America, be UK, you know, sending money, you know, for this particular effort? Uh, I know the UK, you know, committed a lot of money recently for the Pakistan floods, uh, as an example. And and you can see that there's a humanitarian need there as well, because it's a disaster. But, you know, the longer this thing carries on, I don't know, I find it difficult now that, that, uh, you know, will it become justifiable? There's obviously always a reaction to these sort of things when things happen initially. There's empathy, there's an outpouring. But there comes a point where I think maybe you become a bit numb to it. I mean, we haven't talked about this news
2: for a, for a number of weeks now on the show. Um, so I, I mean, yeah, yeah, movie? I agree. I mean, you know, it's very much it's con- uh, it's uh, you know it's no longer front page news. It's it's become it's sort of this constant rambling in the in in the background. Um, you know, many people sort of prior to it, and understandably, there were people within you know within Russia that warned that um, if he actually went into Ukraine that this would become his Iraq. Um, uh, you know that, that it was basically it would be end up being a long-term war with no real benefit. Um, and essentially it was it was unwinnable. I mean even if you look at sort of for example, Iraq and Afghanistan, you know those are wars that, however long they had been raging, haven't really been won in any sort of specific way or uh, or format. Um, and I think this is this has ended up being the same for him. Um, it's sort of going on. There'll be pushes, there'll be retreats. Um, I think he recognizes the, uh, the problem. I, I think Ukraine was always that first step for him um, of regaining some control over, you know, especially the eastern border of Europe. Um, and, um, you know, that kind of pushback towards NATO was all, you know, this was all sort of designed to sort of Try and create um, a little bit more. Uh, I would say a little bit more hope for, for him to be able to sort of create um, uh, to create that blockade. It's really not going well. Um, you know, like you said, and uh, it's a lot of time and energy is being spent on it. I think uh, the other part of it is that whilst you had, whilst he had his normal allies, um, and I say allies in inverted commas like China, for example, the main one on his side at the very beginning you can see a real shift from them. And they have gone as far as saying even a kind of, you know, like even a, uh, what do you call it, Um, a tactical nuclear uh, missile is a complete no-no for them. And that is where they would completely walk away from this, you know, like in in every single way. Mm. So he knows that he's really, he's, he's limited in what he can and can't do now, unless he really wants to go it alone. Um, and uh, the other problem that you do have is, you know, Russia faces the same issues that we all do. Is you know they have high inflation, they have uh, a cost of living crisis within it. You know their pensions are drying up uh, quicker than quicker than anything. You know they're now even having to um, uh, bring in 50. You know, like I think it's it goes um, the, the um, how do you call it? You know when they when they're bringing in troops um, and calling troops from sort of the general populace mm. that age has already gone up to 50. So they're actually calling 50-year-olds into uh, battle Hmm. um, or have to be prepared for battle. This is, he's slowly, I mean, there is a decline of support towards this war. Um, uh, You know, you do have, I mean, it's still there. There is still a sort of general support and people also, you know, you have to understand Russia is in many ways, people aren't really sort of allowed to, voice opinions, uh, 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 you know, especially negative opinions towards the war. Um, So there is going to be that problem. Um, Staff, I'm uh, gonna have
1: to interrupt you, um, just because we're going to our news break uh, very shortly. Um, We'll return and we'll be discussing our main topic on the other side, in regards to the protests. Please join us after the break.
3: So is the Ahmadiyya Khilafat a dictatorship? The simple answer is no, it is not a dictatorship. This question can be raised by two types of people. You've got one who are religious and those who are irreligious. If it's the religious people who are raising this question, then this question or this allegation simply backfires to any other prophet who ever existed and any of their successors, because our system of Khilafat is no different to the divine leadership that they followed. When irreligious people ask this question, then it should be understood and it should be explained that when we talk about organized religion, unfortunately, there is this impression around the world that in an organized religion, you don't have the freedom to do what you want. You have to follow certain rules and regulations and um, you're, you're bound by a lot of uh, laws. And when a leader comes into the equation, it becomes even more you know, uh, something to worry about. So to such irreligious people, it should be made clear that when we accept the Khalifa, we do so willingly. When we perform the pledge of obedience to the Khalifatul Masih, we're not only pledging our obedience to Khalifatul Masih, but in fact, it's actually pledging our obedience to God Almighty, and we do so willingly. There is no coercion and there cannot be any coercion in that sort of a pledge that you make. Now, another thing that needs to be borne in mind is that a dictator is someone whose say and want and desire, it goes without any question. No one can challenge it. No one questions it. And uh, people tend to accept it as it is. And the dictator does not allow anyone to give suggestions or proposals. But we see the Ahmadiyya Khilafat to follow the very basic Islamic injunction, which is to uh, consult them in important matters or the other in Quranic verse which uh, says that whose affairs are dealt with through mutual consultation. This verse is a description of the believers and we find that Hazrat Khalifatul Masih, he consults various administrative bodies when making important decisions to do with the administration of the community or matters to do with faith itself. Now the holy quran is complete the islamic teachings are complete and perfect they don't require any further addition but the reason we have a khilafat is because the implementation of islamic teachings in every passing day requires some form of interpretation so whether we're talking about the era of social media the era of the internet or the era that we uh, are experiencing nowadays which is a global pandemic we require some form of interpretation and direction in implementation. And that we get from the divinely guided leadership of Khalifatul Masih. A dictator tends not to keep a close bond with their followers. They don't tend to keep a very close tie with their subjects. But the Khalifatul Masih has a very close and personal relationship with each and every Ahmadi Muslim around the world. The Khalifatul Masih writes to his followers. The Khalifatul Masih meets with his followers almost on a daily basis. And this is something which the Khalifa does to ensure that his followers are well and that they're pursuing the highest goals possible in every sphere of life. So is the Ahmadiyya Khilafat a dictatorship? The answer is no. It is not a dictatorship. It is far from such a thing. The Ahmadiyya Khilafat is such a leadership which the world is very unfamiliar with because there is no equivalent that can be drawn or parallel that can be drawn to it in the world that we know today. But the Ahmadiyya Khilafat is something that the world is in desperate need of.
1: Good morning and welcome back to Saturday Morning Live. Uh, it's the 12th of November. Uh, 1105 is the time and you're joined by myself Shazil Lone, my co-presenter uh, Hamza Vanderman in the studio and our other co-presenter Saaf Ahmadi. Um, Hamza,
0: frame our main topic today um, in regards to the protest. Take us away. Sure. So, we've obviously, um, we're also in the middle of uh, COP uh, at the moment. And uh, obviously, over the last few years, there's been a growing. Uh, kind of environment, uh, environmentalism uh, movement, uh, and I think what we've seen steadily over that time is uh, the tactics that some of these activists uh, have been using, uh, getting um, uh, getting more and more aggressive, uh, and I think we've all seen over the last few uh, last few months some of those. Um, uh, on social media, examples of uh, the Just Stop Oil uh, activists, firstly um, throwing uh, kind of carrot soup and stuff uh, at paintings um, yep. to, to, to get awareness, uh, and then arguing that, that you know that gets a lot of impact, that gets a lot of eyeballs, it gets a lot of attention, and causes no damage, um, which is the which they argue is the main thing. You know, there's no long term damage made, uh, but it brings a lot of attention uh, and. Um, impact onto the issues that they're trying to raise. and then this week and over the last few other weeks we've seen lots of uh, protests causing big problems on the M25, on the motorways and on other roads and you're saying the Just Stop Oil protests um, blocking roads, stopping people from driving, causing real safety issues on the M25 uh, this week, four Mm -hmm. day day blockade I think they've done on different parts you know causing real problems for people just trying to get on with their you know day to day lives um, pick up their children from school, get to work, Um, uh, emergency services getting around, right? It's, you know, if you block the roads, it impacts everybody. Um, And so this is obviously... Caused a lot of uproar. Uh, it's caused a lot of attention. It's caused a lot of anger amongst a lot of people, saying these aren't the right tactics. Uh, these aren't the right. This isn't the right way uh, to draw attention to the cause. This is co- is actually, uh, you know, making people angry. This is actually making people who may actually be their natural allies, natural supporters, think this is this is outrageous. Get out of the way. Um, you know, this isn't the right way to get the mass. This isn't the way. The right way to get mass general uh, public support. For for their cause, mm. um, and, um, and and that's kind of where we're at. They're going to, I think, continue with these protests. Continue getting more aggressive. You know, it is. You know, on the flip side, you have seen uh, historically. Uh, you know examples of civil disobedience because this is essentially what this is. I would say civil disobedience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know actually proving very effective in other cases. You saw that in apartheid South Africa, uh, very aggressive civil disobedience, which actually you know you'd have to argue was uh, was effective in bringing apartheid to an end. Eventually, uh, you've seen it before in terms of uh, women's movements. Uh, women movements in the in the UK that was very uh, kind of civil disobedience that was blowing up. Places. Places that was um, you know causing real problems, Uh, and again, at the end of the day, it did cause uh, change. It did cause attention, did cause change, and so you know the just stop all movement would say, you know, that's what happens with these important issues. That's what you need. You you get a backlash. You get people angry, but at the end of the day, they're angry talking about the issues that you care about, uh, and they're angry, and it causes a change, and it causes impact, and that's what they're after. But
1: is, is it right to go about
0: that? I mean, you, you're talking
1: about affecting lives, you know, am, you know, ambulance services and what have you. I mean, if everyone thinks that their cause is just and requires, you know, um, you know, limelight and discussion points, you know, you're willing to, you know, disrupt,
0: you know, lives to do that? I mean, is that really fair? Yeah, I mean, look, I'm sure... I, I, know, I know you're going to come on to the uh, Islamic view on, on these things, Charles, but it's... Mm. Um, uh, it's very, it's very, very difficult to uh, to draw the line. You know, um, if you if, if you had a just stop oil activist here in the room, they would say that the real calamity is climate change. The real calamity is uh, the lives that are affected uh, around the world. Not one or two or three lives, but hundreds of billions of lives uh, being affected by this um, future lives, uh, the the life of the entire planet is at stake and therefore if your you know if your view is uh that the whole of humanity is Mm. at stake if these actions are not taken uh then you would do then then the then the smaller impacts of each individual act uh you know do not you know they pale into insignificance as it were and it's the wider the wider aim the wider benefits the wider lives that are saved as a result of their actions that are more important
1: yeah, I mean, look, look, protesting, you know, is one element of things. I guess in certain aspects, it's its one step short of taking matters into your own hands. Um, you know, I think uh, when I looked at the topic um, and did a little bit of research, um, I, I came across an article, I'm um, um, oh, sorry, the sermon uh, from His Holiness, uh, the Fifth Caliph of the Amdi Muslim Community, Uh, And this was in response to the uh, Charlie Hebdo caricatures of the Holy Prophet. uh, May peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Um, And the comments that he made around that time, obviously it's something that stirred up great emotion, uh, great upset from the Muslim population uh, globally. Um, And what followed when there was this terrorist uh, attack uh, on the Charlie Hebdo um, uh, publication offices, Um, he said, Um, And he said that the the publication had been given a new lease of life, uh, what was gained by uh, an evil terrorist attack. In the past, many Western leaders condemned the publication of such offensive caricatures. But after last week's attack, when this had happened, many people and leaders have changed their mind and publicly aired their support for this indecent publication. I went on to say that uh, previously its print circulation was just 60,000 and it was being said that the newspaper would actually go out of business but the acts of these so-called muslims at the time had given a new lease of life and its print circulation went in excess of 5 million so i guess when you take things too far and into your own hands you know i think obviously they're reacting to freedom of speech there there is no doubt about that but i guess i think there's a there, there's a manner and a dignity that that you need to exercise when you think about when something is unjust, how do you go about that? And is disrupting other people's lives really the manner that we should be thinking about? Um, I know media has a massive part to play in this as well. That's the other side of things. How are these things portrayed? Um, and again, uh, his holiness mentioned that uh, the, the media wields a great power and influence. And he called on, on media agencies uh, to be responsible. They can feel disorder and unnecessarily provoke But it's their responsibility that it can be a great role in creating peace and harmony within society. So is it such that when these protests happen, we, and the media as well, just hype it to such a degree that it makes it, you know, I mean, I I think the Just Stop Oil movement generally is quite unpopular.
0: I think that's right. I think you... um, um I mean, they only do these acts because they know it will get attention, significant media attention and sure. significant coverage. if the media was not to cover it, if the media was not to care, then actually they'd probably stop doing it because the impact there and then on the individuals that are is one thing yeah but that's not what they need they need significant eyeballs significant attention uh everybody knowing what's going on and it's Mm. only through that media coverage that they get that now there's some social media coverage sure that they you know can self-generate now in today's world but still the real the real thing that they're after is getting on the news getting on newspapers and spreading that message that they um that that they want spread and if know the media were not to give them that limelight then, <laughs> then they yeah. certainly wouldn't they certainly wouldn't be uh they certainly wouldn't be doing it now are they being successful i guess that's a different that's a different question right that's kind of that would be for them to argue whether these are the right tactics in order to actually win their campaign um and i don't i don't know if it was i guess what we're here is trying to discuss is whether it's morally ethically the mm. right way to go about running a campaign whether it whether or not it's actually successful or not uh, whether it will, will whether it will generate the support or not almost shouldn't be you know what whether whether it's the right thing or not to do um, mm. uh, and I guess that's where it gets quite difficult because You know, if you're just talking about whether something's effective or not, they would argue that they're being very effective right now, regardless of whether they're disliked or liked. Um, They would say, you know, they're getting more support than ever, more funding than ever. Um, The um, the impact of of the I guess it's almost uh, like the saying, you know, um, uh, all news is good news uh, and if you're on the, if you're in the news being attacked if you're being hated actually you know it's better to be polarized than no one to care about what you're doing at all mm. um and so you know it's for me it's much more about whether we think it's the right thing the mm. right way to go about a protest or not rather than will it be effective or not
1: so uh, in a recent uh, question and answer session his holiness uh, has Mr. Mar- asked um, is it beneficial uh, to take part in protests, protests or demonstrations deemed beneficial for society? Mm. His Holiness says, if there's a guarantee that it is to be a peaceful protest and it will not eventually turn into looting and disorder, then you can take part. At the time of the second Caliph of the Amadi Muslim community, there were a protest in support of Kashmiri Muslims, and he gave permission to partake in that, and Amadi Muslims did take part. So, if it is to be a peaceful protest and no disorder is caused, and the nation's properties are not damaged, it is done whilst remaining within confines of law. Then it is permissible. So, yeah, I think I think the manner of protest is quite important here because obviously, something that's raised recently is is the uh, burning of veils and what have you that we've seen in Iran. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and you saw a outpouring, um, you know, from. Um, you know, women all over the world, you know, burning the hijab and what have you. And then you wonder, there are a lot of people who take a lot of power uh, from that, you know, women who do wear it. And they, it's very difficult sometimes how things are portrayed in the media and they can be really angled in such a way that it actually takes away uh, the rights and the strength that some people may gain from, you know, doing something. And obviously, uh, no one would ever think Uh, to justify the fact that if someone's not wearing a whale, that um, that they should, you know, lose their life. I mean, that's just not something which is is acceptable by any human standards or by any faith, I I would believe. That's just not the way uh, things are. But I guess it couldn't be portrayed in in such a manner. And then the the way the media follows the protests that follow kind of frames the whole story sometimes.
0: Yeah, I mean, the Western media generally hate the hijab right i mean they just there's so when you know they look at a country mm. like iran and they see women burning it that's the only viewpoint they have which is wow isn't this uh amazing that yeah. this... now it's obviously a really powerful statement from those people from those women in uh, iran and actually in those in that instance it's probably uh women because of the circumstances that you say there, are that actually mm. it's legal requirement and if you don't uh, is it is the punishment death or supposed to be? F-
1: well, they I think they they have a, some kind of moral police there. Yeah.
0: Who un- unfortunately um, you know
1: accosted this young lady um, for not wearing a hijab properly or yeah, something yeah. like that, and and
0: it it ended up in in her unfortunately being beaten mm-hmm. and losing her life. So you know in those instances you could imagine women who actually mm. believe in wearing yeah. the hijab and believe in wearing a headscarf. Yeah. Saying actually, this is my duty to support my fellow women who don't want to wear it and yeah. burn it, um, because that is a that has a higher purpose than mm. me wearing it. And you know they may make that argument, but that isn't the argument that you no. will see written about over here. Yeah. Um, and um, but I guess that it's interesting from an Islamic point of view whether that would be seen as um, uh, positive or not, because it pro you there's no guarantee of safety i would assume by burning by burning it and i guess by burning the hijab in that country it would be an illegal illegal act Mm. would be following the law so be interesting to know what you think about that um
1: it's a it's a bit difficult one to say i mean you know in terms of um i think it's more the, the the attack on the islamic principles i guess that's that that that's where this would go right because you don't have to be in the same country you'll see people on instagram and you know all these other places you know showing their solidarity what they believe to be solidarity by doing this but i guess uh, the symbolism of what you're doing uh, it it puts barriers between people because there will be some people who believe in this this concept of of wearing the veil Mm -hmm. and what have you and covering their heads and i think that would be perhaps an affront to those uh, people who do that, uh, women that do that. So I think it's not an easy thing to judge. Um, but I think people should be mindful of what they do before they, you know, sort of follow bandwagon acts. Let's put it that way. You know, in in solidarity, it's protests. different to doing it in
0: Iran than to doing it over yeah. over here, isn't it? I mean, there's a there's a very different circumstance and uh, uh, mindset to a young woman doing that act in Iran to someone showing solidarity, let's say, doing it in the UK.
1: But I, I think just to give the subject a bit of context as well, uh, I did see His Holiness, Hazar um, Mishra, that mention he, that he was talking about the role. Obviously, in Iran, what's happened here is a group of men obviously have come in uh, and accosted this young lady and, and, and the rest has been panned out in tragic circumstances. But I think what His, what his Holiness did, and he talked about it, was he talked about the, the male role in families and he said it's actually not the man's position to go and tell people, you know, mm-hmm. you know, oh, you should be covering your head. You should be doing this. It's something that I think is explained and and taken on by uh, the woman. And it's her choice to do that accordingly. Uh, and I think that's, I think what what His Holiness was was sort of um, giving us the message was that, you know, you shouldn't be dictatorial from a male perspective. That you know. Uh, you know, you're sort of shouting down or, or giving, you know, instructions that this is what should be done. Uh, You know, Islam's principles and teachings uh, have a great depth and a a reasoning behind that. And I think that's what should be focused on the understanding of doing something as opposed to just doing something because, Mm -hmm. you know, you've been told to do it, or it's just the way it should be done. I think if people have a depth of understanding uh, and the way you carry yourself and that that's, not just from a female perspective and covering your head you know even even from a man's perspective you know about lowering your gaze and the way you carry yourself is, is equally important you do it in modesty uh so i think i think that there's a lot of different topics you know sort of uh, and underlying tones at play here uh that can be taken from you know this sort of guidance so i think it's something we need to be aware of
0: yeah and look there's always um you know if we bring it back uh, bring it back to home here in the yeah. UK and the protests that are that are going on you know a lot of it um uh, you know like the uh, like the acts in the museums and the art galleries throwing yeah. the you know the ketchup and uh on on the art to raise attention um you know that's an interesting one because obviously that's illegal it's um uh, you know you can't be throwing stuff on uh, yeah, damaging uh, property uh, damaging on property yeah. uh, but then you know they, they would make the case individuals would make the case that um there was no damage done to the property could all be washed off it's all glass fronted yeah um so what's you know what's the what's the issue with that with that act is that you know? Is it's um, it's pretty, I think it's probably still illegal because you've you've done the act and you could have caused damage to the property. That's what did it uh, is. Like. You've raised a lot of attention, though. Um, you know, there was a lot of eyeballs, more, more people angry about it rather than supportive. Mm. Uh, but again, you know, the, the organization probably makes the point that all News is. Good news. A lot of people are talking about it, mm. um, and that's what they want to be. They want to be in the conversation, and if they are able to, you know, cause change, cause uh, a, a change in policy, a change in sentiment across the world in terms of mm. uh, climate change and stopping oil, then they would, you know, they would say they've done a they've done humanity a service. Well,
1: I think I'll just come back to the point, which is just you know that that phrase of by any means necessary I, is is something that I don't think you know should be taken literally uh you know in these perspectives yes there are injustices yes people should stand up to them uh, and there are ways and means of doing that you know you can do it by voting you know if it's if it's the government of the country is is acting a certain way and, and these are the sort of laws that aren't being changed so i think there is power there is ways of doing these things but you shouldn't descend into anarchy and destruction and those types of measures just for the sake of raising awareness. I think that that is quite important. Um Saf, you still with us on the line?
0: I think Saf may have gone on mute. Um but uh I think that's I think you're but I think you're right, Charles. I think that's um that, that's an, that's an important point to make. I think you gotta, you know, think about all the actions think about your own actions right rather yeah. than just uh, lecturing others you know mm. I think you know there's a lot of there's lot to be said in terms of um, being role models for people acting in a certain way yeah. and people will follow uh, or copy those actions if they you know if they see you doing good things then you're more more likely to be copied and um, you know I think too often you know people uh, get hung up on the on the big on the big things government action government policy um you know what big corporations are doing but actually we can all as individuals do our you know take our own steps on a lot of these things Absolutely. um you know influence our circles yeah. uh, and in turn if you can do that then that will you know that'll increase and people will um steadily cause change that way change doesn't always happen overnight It always takes a you know a decent amount of time so um uh you know i think that's important to to take into account as well okay
1: uh i think saf had a viewpoint but we may be having sorry, some technical can you, difficulties
0: Ken, saf, can you hear us now
2: i can hear you fine sorry I, fire I away come, then yep, the sorry. yeah sorry i know you <laughs> we thought we thought <laughs> you <laughs> were just
1: taking in the uh, pearls of knowledge that Hamza was coming out with <laughs> uh, but go i was, was
2: taking the pearls of knowledge both of you are coming out with no, it's um uh, no, it's, look it's a, it is a really interesting discussion and it's a, and yeah, quite frankly I was actually quietly listening to uh, to a lot of it. And um I think you make I think there's some really valid points. And I think when you sort of took it back down to uh or you you know, something like, for example, the burning of the hijabs in Iran. Um I think that's a really important point. I think within that we look at what was happening there. And I think again, it's not burning of the hijab because someone refused to wear one. It was actually that there was a moral police that decided that the uh that the way that it was being worn was incorrect mm. um and essentially you know that it led to the death of uh, a girl which many women from iran actually fought back and as you said quite rightly the the reason why they were doing uh they were there are people that, that sort of women that are actually even actively they themselves would uh, adhere to the idea of wearing a hijab, um, were doing it, uh, were also doing it in solidar- uh, solidarity, um, and that I think that's a slightly different um, aspect in itself. That's actually it's against a regime, which they have thing. That's a revolution that's against a regime, and that's being done. In actual fact, for a large part, it is being done quite peacefully. Um, if you look at the way that the women were conducting themselves, you know, they were taking marches, uh, they were, you know, uh, going across only probably essentially causing distress to themselves in doing so. but um, And uh, I think that, that there, there's a validity to sort of something that they were doing, and I think they still remain within the confines of Islam mm. in doing so. Now, I think what's happening over here, it's, it's, it's very different. Um, for a large part, I think one of the major things that I, I, probably that I take issue with the kind of just-stop-oil protest over here is, for the large part, most people, and I would say a majority of the population, are already on site. Now, all that seems to be happening is disruption for the sake of disruption. Um, it raises awareness, of course it does, but it's not, I, I would say, we would go as far as saying, I don't think that any extra awareness needs to be raised. Um, you're not fighting against it. But you've already got government, which is already going down a certain line and doing, uh, and, and is trying to incorporate Um, a zero, um, how do you call it, you know, like a a, a zero carbon emission sort of status or uh, a net zero uh, policy. Mm. Um, You've got people that are already working in that uh, thing. I mean, for example, I had to take my son for an operation the other day. And because of the just stop oil process, we ended up being an hour late for our uh, for our meeting. Not that it really, I mean, not that it really affected anything. But you know, at the time, you sort of feel there is that anxiety, there's that frustration building up um, uh, because you know you uh, it, 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 it's something sort of you know as, as simple as a sort of operation, you, you can't do that. People can't get to their workplaces, and the people that were being affected were in large part. Um, people either just going about their business uh, the working classes because you know again you know when we got there there was a nurse that had got stuck in the uh, got uh, in the problem. she was actually so worried about how her hours for that day were going to be resolved because she still needed to leave at two o'clock to pick up her children later on mm. you know there's all of these sort of knock-on effects and i i think it's Sometimes the type of people that are doing it they come from a uh, from a place of privilege where they can afford to go out and go and spend their day. you know they, they seem to be people that are either retired and I'm not making a social comment on on them in particular i'm I'm just saying and I think they probably have the right idea you know in in their head I think they probably mean well. The issue then becomes is what is your aim your aim you know are you sort of trying to achieve some sort of end? I I don't believe that they're doing that anymore. I I think that um, this is now just become a PR exercise again. You know, this is just a case of getting yourself on the news. Um, And uh, uh, the the conversation doesn't move any further. And I think it goes back, His Holiness said, you know, like when you're causing disruption, you know, like, you have to understand you're causing disruption, you know, like uh, these things. And it's against, that in itself is against Islam. Yes, but sometimes, you know, like there have been disruption We know that in the history of Islam You know, like for example, the ba- Battle of Badr um, You know, a caravan uh, You know, it was something that the Holy Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi thing When he was being, you know, he was defending himself In that uh, particular moment Now, you know, there, there were elements of it That there was an attack that also took place Against uh, the, the Meccans that were that were going past But it was for a greater good at the time It was for, you know, like for them to be left alone And uh, allowed for the continue with their uh, with their faith Um, so you know we we do have historically there are you know there there is um, uh, there are examples of where you know like uh, some sort of protest does take place and you know standing up for yourself um, does take place but essentially you know who are you who are you going up against and if you are actually hurting the people that are just trying to get about you know the general populace so if they're just trying to get about their day to day lives if those are the people that you you're disrupting the most and affecting the most um you then have to ask the question what is what what is the aim and what you know where where what are the means to the end um i also i mean you know the to, so some degree, I also, you know, this uh, sort of paint, throwing the paint on some of these like sort of big uh, conglomerates and corporates. You know, I think you can argue that there there may be some uh, there may be something in that, but also throwing paint on you know pieces of art um, in public places of pieces of art when essentially art is for the masses I and mean, you know it's there sort of designed for us all to sort of take uh, take something from uh, taking away from um uh, from those things yeah i was deeply hurt really by not being able that.
1: to see that uh, sunflower picture i mean it, it affects i know my because
2: life. you are i mean you are essentially the, the, the you're probably the target audience yeah absolutely <laughs> I'm right to think. But, <laughs> but but I, I think that the issue becomes i mean you know it's it's who are you trying to affect um and what is what is your real aim and um if you are I, I don't believe that we're we're in a stage where they're trying to cause change because the change is already being thing. it's they're saying they want to want to do it now and we have to be realistic about everything i mean if we were to go into a net zero almost tomorrow or say that there is going to be zero oil being produced tomorrow um that 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 is really going to have a big problem on our supply chains i mean you know we, we i don't think many of them would even be able to get out there in the first place
1: okay I think that's been a uh, a comprehensive discussion on on different elements of protesting and and obviously the different subjects where this can be brought about. Um, What we'll do is just go to a short break and then we will return uh, with um, something that we're all quite passionate about, which will be the upcoming T20 World Cup and the FIFA World Cup to be held in Qatar. So lots of different issues surrounding that. So uh, do join us uh, very shortly after this break for that.
4: Selections from the writings of the promised Messiah upon whom be peace, the founder of the Ahmadiyya community in Islam. Thy boundless blessings and peace be upon Mustafa, O Lord. Verily, through him we receive thy light. My soul is eternally bonded to the soul of Muhammad. I made my heart drink deep of the brimful cup of this love. None better than he could I discover in the whole world Most certainly, I have broken my heart loose from the grip of others. God's glory is reflected in your virtues, my beloved. Him I made my own, by having made you mine. Having touched the hem of thy garment, O God, one is saved from being entrapped by the charms of others. Verily, I bow my head at your threshold alone. O my beloved, I swear by thy unity, in my love of thee, I have become oblivious of my own self. By God, all other images have vanished from my heart ever since I had your countenance etched upon it. It was because of you that we became the best of all the peoples. O prophet of God, who is the best of all the prophets, as you marched ahead of all the rest, we too stepped forward. Let alone the human beings, even all the angels in the heavens follow suit and join me as I sing thy praise. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Live.
1: It's the 12th of November and you're joined by myself, Shazad Loan, and my co-presenters, Hamza Vanderman uh, and Saf Amadie. Um We are moving into our sports section and uh, quite a big one globally um, and something I'm sure a lot of our listeners will be really looking forward to. First off we'll discuss the uh, T20 World Cup final which is going to be held uh, at the Melbourne Cricket Ground uh, I think 90,000 capacity mm. and a rerun of the 1992 World Cup. Um let's start with the contrarian viewpoint of Hamza. Hamza <laughs> tell us who you'll be supporting tomorrow.
0: What's the, tomorrow. Con- what's the, contra- the contrarian view? The contrarian that brown, brown person to view. <laughs> <laughs> um I mean, what's, what do you mean? Are they, are they... So,
1: before you start off, let, <laughs> let me give this a little bit of context. In um, 2010, I went, myself and Saf, no, sorry, I think, yeah, I was on this trip, went to Barbados to oh, the okay, T20 yeah. Cricket World Cup. I'm minding my own business, walking down the high street, and lo and behold, who or who I bump into is my co-presenter, Hamza. Uh, Hamza, How's it going? Yeah, all good. Yeah, brilliant. How's the trip going, etc. So yeah, we're all there as cricket lovers, and uh, and and at that point, I realised that Hamza was there supporting England,
0: <laughs> and so I was enjoying myself because I think England were doing doing all right, whereas well, they Pakistan that yeah. had already been knocked out. Yeah, I mean, I was basking in the glory of having been to the O nine World
1: Cup final at Lords, <laughs> at which Pakistan won, and and we were there as defending. Well, we I say we, we were there as defending champions, and hence why I was there to support the team. Um, but, um, but yeah, just just tell us a little having bit gro- about how you having, arrived having, at this having, place. Gro- having,
0: having grown up in Pakistan and followed them day in day out cr- grateful for their uh, training in your uh, cricket <laughs> development and watching those players play uh, grow up in the same areas that you've grown up your whole life as well is that is fair, that what you mean fair point fair point so tell us tell us a little <laughs> bit about you how you arrived at that but let's take first
1: your thoughts on how did, the tournament
0: so far okay thoughts on the tournament so far yeah. we can do that i mean i yeah. think generally as a tournament too many games affected by rain um, yep. I think that's been uh, quite annoying, and in a 2020 match, you know, to get rain affected, you're often left with, you know, not much time, and then Duckworth Lewis comes into it, and it's yep. a bit, you know, some, you know, some quite important games decided on Duckworth Lewis mm. bit, you know, it's quite, uh, quite silly, yep. um and you know, I think, you know, doing the tournament at this time of year in Australia, that was always going to happen. And so I think that you know, I think that we need to make sure that doesn't happen again. You know, playing this such a big tournament in a yeah. in, at the right time in a country has got to be. There's got to be there's got to be more thought gone into that beforehand because it was you know just too too many so yep. that was a bit silly, mm. um, but you know good ups and downs you know incredible st- you know to be fair incredible story for Pakistan to get through to this final you know there was yeah. one stage where they were you know totally out of it South Africa you know whatever was going on there we won't comment on uh, uh, on. Um, what what may or may not have happened in that game that they clearly chucked yes uh, at the end of their group at the end of their group stage to allow Pakistan through yeah there's um, <laughs> so a bit of that and you know just uh, but you know to be fair two you know two really good. Two really good semi-finals, not you know not the closest matches uh, either of them, no, but really yeah. two really big performances by you know England and Pakistan. Yeah. Uh, almost you know the type of performances you really want to see in a final uh, if you're supporting those teams because you yeah. rarely put two of those together. But both of them have done it. So I mean, you know, one it, of them one of them's got to put two two incredible performances back to back to to win to win this tournament. Yeah, I mean,
1: look, it was it was I mean I'd, I'll say the England victory was a. St- that was a yeah, it was a real stampede. I mean, they just ramrolled uh, the India bowling attack. Um, you know, and I mean, Josh Butler, you know, is, is a great player. Period. Um, but one thing, actually, um, yeah, I actually know a lot of Indian fans, and they were obviously that they, they were disappointed. You know, when you've got Pakistan in a final waiting, you want to get there, right? I think that gives you a little that it added um, uh, you know, incentive yeah. to get to a final. Um, but I think the, the the thing that I took out of it, and and I mentioned this to a few of the the, my, the Indian fans that I know, uh, the people that I work with in my office, and I was like, be aware that you you do take a bit of responsibility at this, and, and they were like, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, England weren't successful in ICC tournaments up until 2010, I don't think. Generally speaking, I said, you've given Joss Butler's and these types of players so much IPL exposure playing in front of crowds, facing Indian bowling attacks, honing their skills. I mean, some of the ramp shots and some of the stuff Josh Butler does are pretty amazing. Would he have been able to assimilate that playing county cricket here in front of two men and a dog? I don't think so. So, And, and the way they were meeting the players at the end, you know, you're, they were meeting Virat Kohli, uh, Rohit Sharma, etc. cetera, they're teammates. So I think there's a lot of, you know, almost friendly fire there, you know, and I
0: think, um, you know, you know, I, I said it, I think I think you've helped hone England's skills. I mean, to be fair, I think the IPL's helped honed most countries. Except other, for Pakistan. Other than Pakistan's skills, right? Which is why when you turn up at an ICC
1: tournament, you don't face those bowl, uh, b- uh, bowlers week in, week out or, you know, in, in franchise cricket. So, therefore, there is an X factor because that used to be the same of World Cup football. South American teams and Amer- and, and European teams wouldn't play one another. That's why the World Cup was such a clash of styles. Whereas I think now, um, you know, because South American players play in Europe, etc., they're a lot more well-known.
0: Well, come to on. To, well, let's come on. Let's stay on. on the cricket. I yeah. mean, you're right. The England the England team, like most other teams, have honed their games in yeah. that IPL game. And I think but to be fair to England one day cricket, you know, I think what they've done over the last few years mm. is really just let this team, especially on the batting, just take all the risks that they want and yes. there's just no there's just no uh, no one everybody in that team knows that they're just out there hitting yeah. and because if they're not there's, you know, there's another six batters to come who can yeah. all whack it and that means that there's no fear there's absolutely no fear they know they're not going to be uh, told off or criticised by uh, management teammates for any sort of silly shots mm. they can play whatever they want the whole time and they've been doing it for so long now that they know that they're not going to be criticised by anyone else as well. Media, yeah. public, they everyone's on side. Everyone's backing this team the way that England yeah. play their one-day cricket. And, you know, it is, it is super aggressive from ball one. And these guys can hit massive cricket balls now. And they all can do that. They bat down to eight, I think. Yeah. I think Moeen's down to come in at 7 sometimes. Some it moves around a bit depending on uh what's going on and the ball, but I mean basically they bat down to 7 in a way that most like most people would have a lot of those guys in their top 3. Yeah, I think I think there's no doubt about it England play
1: a a a great brand of one day international and T20 cricket and and you're right. I think they're given license to go and absolutely play and express themselves with the t- talent and the skills they have. The, the I think the contest tomorrow is Pakistan's bowlers against England's batters. Mm-hmm. I think that is where the crux of the game will be. I think Pakistan's bowling attack is probably the best in the tournament yep. and England's batting line-up is probably the best in the, in the in the tournament as well. I think missing Mark Wood is a big thing for England because mm-hmm. Pakistan generally don't tend to play bounce well mm-hmm. with his pace. So I think that gives them a little bit of an opportunity. I still think in terms of think tank and tactics, Pakistan is still way behind the way cricket T20 cricket can be and should be approached I think they've been in terms of
0: matchups and who should be on at what point matchups
1: intent I, I, in my eyes, they still play 1992 cricket, which yeah. is what we talked about. Which is hold your wickets. Yeah. You know, the Indian set style. The, what, uh,
0: the way that India played. Yeah, in the semi-final against yeah. England.
1: Which I get if you if you lose early wickets on, then you have to stabilise mm-hmm. that part. I get, but I think from intent, Pakistan do that from ball one. Mm-hmm. Is in okay if we get a couple of fours here? They're great, Rizwan mm-hmm. normally is aggressive. If it's in Barbara's zone, he will play the shots. But I don't think they really go aggressive. Mm. You know, there is that thing about, hang on a minute, if I get down, if I get out here, they're going to be on my back. And I think I've seen a lot of the, the, the media coverage from Pakistan mm. in terms of Pakistani critics. You've got Waseem Akram, Shoaib Madik, Guy Younes, Misbal Haq, These guys all talk about them. When they were losing, they were hammering them. <laughs> and now that they're in the final, they haven't switched. There's still worries about it. But um, but I think, I still think they're dated in their view and approach of the game. That doesn't take away from the fact that
0: they can win a game. They can on their day when they turn up, you know, they can blow a team out. I mean, it's lucky. I mean, you talk about approaches and stuff uh, for England. You know, often it just, it is driven by um, the players that you've got. Mm. If you've got eight batsmen who can all whack it. Yeah then obviously your approach is, well, don't mess around wasting time at the top of the order in the power play when field is up. Yep. When you've got, you know, six other guys, we've only got 20 overs, get on, like get on with it. If you haven't got the strength and depth of that batting, then you have, you can't say, oh, we should go out and whack it as well. Because if you lose a couple of wickets and you've only got six proper bat, what are you going to do? You only, so I think it's, it's you know when people talk about uh approaches and modern cricket to some extent you've got to have the players now you might say well if your national team embraces that style you will then develop more players and yes. maybe that's what england have done well they've embraced this style of cricket mm. for so long now yeah it's not been it's not, this hasn't happened overnight it's happened over probably five years now they just churn out these there's another you know alex Hales. they were yeah. and you just started picking him yeah they'd kind, of written, the they'd kind years, of written yeah. him off and he's you know, uh I think there was a I think there was an injury, wasn't there? So oh, no, Jason
1: Roy I think was out of form. Right. Uh, Jason, Jason yeah. Roy was out of form. Right. Another big
0: yeah. hit. And Bearstow. Uh, so these are guys who can whack can whack a ball as well. Yeah, 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 Um and they've just got a conveyor belt. Okay, you these guys are out of yeah, form. And Livingston's well, anna-
1: coming, Brooks come in, there's I another mean, and they hit a big ball. Right. Yeah there's
0: another three guys who can all go at yeah. 150, 175. Yep. B- bring bring them in. Yeah. And so you know I think it does you know it does take time but you know I think if you embrace that style of cricket and it's funny talking about that as a you know England cricketer who you know For many decades, played probably the most boring uh, test and one-day cricket on the circuit. Yeah. Um. So it's funny how funny how things work. Kevin Peterson was the only guy. who, yeah. You know, he was completely uh, misnomer in the in both the one-day and the test team. Yes. And now you've basically got a whole team of KPs. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's incredible how it's how that's cha- how that's changed. Yeah. Uh, how no, it's, it's changed I, over time.
1: And I think it's nice that England can bring in people from other countries like Kevin Peterson and Jofra Archer, who <laughs> are not English and nothing to do with you, you know you talking <laughs> (laughs) about me supporting someone who who had a big impact on my career or my supporters career and then you're able to change rules and bring in people who win new world cups kevin peterson won the 2010 world cup and joffra archer won the one day international world cup he bowled the final death over i
0: mean you know we're an inclusive welcoming country oh, Shasta, right I mean you <laughs> can't say you can't say that about uh, about some other some other countries so I won't name them but you know you uh, you know we all know we all know uh, whether that would be accepted in other countries or not I think this is, I think it's a wonderful thing okay. that we're able to accept people like uh, like Jofra Archer and, and KP and embrace them uh, and let them improve our cricket I think that's great that's what yeah. I'm all, that's what I'm all about let's see let's see
1: how the fi- final pans out tomorrow uh what's your prediction for the game
0: ah uh, well I've, i was reading that there's a massive rain forecast as well yes. so uh, i mean look i've got back england um you know i think they can chase down anything if they if they bat second as well i think it's even mm. yeah you know, i think it's even more likely uh but yeah i'll back in I'll back england to win this final
1: yeah, I mean, I th- I think I think England are favourites, um, but I think my ideal would be that uh, England bat first, um, and that that will put a bit of a contest on yep. on. Yeah, it gives Pakistan a chance. I think if they can get on top of the batsmen and you know maybe keep them to a sub 165 score, I think there's a contest. Yeah, that's right. um, I don't think Pakistan's batting order is particularly great in terms of chasing anything. You know, sub 150 ish, but. You know
0: anything in the it 190s did, they did well in this recent series though uh yeah. you know chase there was that one game wasn't there chased down two pakistan chased down two yeah, without losing a wicket yeah you know, with, but, but then i think you've got to
1: remember that butler and those guys weren't playing in those sides mm. right so i think england were ready to experiment but in a in a one-off game mm-hmm. you know we we will see how we pan out but uh it'll be interesting i think it's been a it, it's been a good advert for cricket barring the the mm-hmm. weather uh, and i think a lot I mean england probably were favorites i don't think pakistan were to get to the final i think australia mm-hmm. were probably right up there and even south africa but you know unfortunately they had a their usual slip up as they do um but um but let's yeah let's see let's see how it pans out uh, i'm sure there'll be a lot of people waking up early uh, tomorrow morning to enjoy the contest so we'll see how that goes um fifa world cup not far away from the
0: um, next weekend oh, it feels very strange doesn't it in, yeah. in november Premier League games still going on. Yep. One week between your last PL game and the opener of the World Cup. Yeah, I mean, I don't like it. Yeah, I don't I like it. Just from a kind of a mental health point of view, <laughs> you know. You know, you, World Cup should be in the summer. Yep. you're relaxing. Weather's nice. Yes, you're watching three games a day. Absolutely, that's what it's about. Not you know freezing cold outside. Yep. Premier League should be going on. Champions League should be going on. Yeah. I don't know. I don't like it. Yeah, I know. I
1: I think there's a lot of association that you have. You know, it's summertime. You know, people are out and about... You know, when England win in this country, everyone's really happy. There's a bit of a feel-good factor, you know. It doesn't happen go, very often. Yeah, no, it doesn't <laughs> happen very often. I don't think it'll happen this time. Um, but, um, but yeah, no, I think it'll be it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. I think there's been a lot of criticism, obviously, with Qatar in terms of the pure human rights. There's FIFA documentary that's come out recently, which basically says that, you know, there was bribery involved and that's why they got the tournament in the first place. But, you know, that's the way the world works, I think, unfortunately, in terms of some of these events. But, um but uh, it'll
0: be an interesting event. I uh, uh, w- w- once the football starts, yeah, then we're okay, I think. Then you, you know you're watching the football, the, the players are there, the games are there. you know The annoying thing is I think some of these injuries, there's probably going to be a few more because of the timing. Yeah. I think that is quite annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to see all the be- all the best players playing. Yeah. Um, so that's a, you know, that's a bit annoying. but I think once, t- once the tournament starts, what's going to make the tournament? Whether we got good games or not, right? It's always yes. the case. Once you know, if you get good games, no one's yeah. no the rest of it. No one's going to care about you know. You get some, you get some awesome games, some awesome mm. finishes. That's what makes or breaks a tournament. Not the not the other stuff. Uh, that's not to say the other stuff isn't important. You know, it it, it is, and it should be discussed and and prepared for and um, taken into account when these decisions are made. Yeah. Uh, but once you know, once you're there, once you're playing, now it's about it's about the football and yeah. obviously you know I, I agree you can use that time to shine a spotlight on issues in that country that's yes. you know obviously you can do that uh, but what's the overriding thing that the players are there for as well yeah. is to play and I don't agree with this kind of you know criticising players and asking players all these questions yeah, they, yeah. you know, they've just signed up they're footballers and yes. they, they go where they're told to go and play Yeah, and you know that they're, they're not the right people to ask these questions the managers and the players yeah, they exactly. be free to get on with it and, exactly. um, they just
1: want to avoid criticism personally right essentially that's what it becomes it's a minefield for them I don't they're, see they're, any upside in they're, it
0: they're professional footballers they yeah. are paid to play football and they want to represent their country yeah. and they will go to the World Cup where the authorities uh, uh, select mm. and it's not in their you know it's not in their will it's not in their Power to um, to choose. They can make comments before. I think I think that's fair. Footballers making comments before a decision is made, saying mm. you know if they wanted to say oh I'd rather it was here or there, or whatever. Yeah. Once the decision is made, well, you know it's not really Harry Kane's position, is it? He's no, just there he's to brains of Britain as well, either. Exactly.
1: But, um, but, yeah, no, I, I think the interesting point you said, right, for us as supporters, yeah, it just doesn't feel that way. But I think maybe in terms of performances, as opposed to players playing at the end of a long season, you mm-hmm. know, having won a Champions League or a Premiership and they've been through it, they've committed to it, to a 40-plus game year, now perhaps you've got players who have done a pre-season, kicked mm-hmm. off their main leagues, maybe they'll go into this tournament running.
0: I, hope, know? I I hope so I think that'll We'd be inter- that. that'll be interesting yeah. you're right yeah. uh it's going to be hot there though isn't it so it is it but is. um but no you're right you're right if they and that and that's what's going to be fun to see to be fair will yep. be it does that type of thing make a difference if everyone's level is way higher mm. that's going to be interesting and yep. then it, and then also interesting will be the massive fall off in their performance when they come back in january yeah, and yeah. they've got to play three games a week yeah absolutely in <laughs> in the depths of winter right in january it's
1: not going to be nice <laughs> coming back, back but look it's, it's hard yeah these guys don't have hardships it's such yeah, you know, yeah, they'll, yeah. Be, they'll be staying in five-star hotels with their masseurs etc cetera, etc cetera. so i'm sure they'll be well taken care of but uh who do you think uh, in terms of um Oh you, this is England this is an England
0: victory isn't it oh, got you family. know semi final final this is it this is the one this is yeah. the this is the next this is the this is the next step
1: or it could be another brilliant you know second round exit
0: on penalties no can't even remember the last time that happened in a big tournament come on my friend <laughs> so long so long ago those uh, those scars of those scars of what are well gone uh, I,
1: I i don't think the team is good enough A knockout football we've I said that, we've said that
0: for the last three tournaments
1: yeah it's true but then you played most of those three
0: tournaments at home we get another nice draw which you've had last three times you haven't we get another one you've had home third and time, nice draws. Third i'm lucky and you've done nothing Third time oh come
1: on semi-finals <laughs> and then you threw it threw away a final against italy at Wembley. you we can't, against...
0: we can't even get into this world cup exactly that's my point Fair. so no i i don't think i think
1: i think the two standout teams are france um And Brazil. Yeah, we hate of, France. Oh we? God! Uh, we don't hate on this station. I've told you that so many <laughs> times. Well, nor do we bet, um, Hamza. <laughs>
0: um, but no, I think look, I don't I think France is stacked in terms of. Um, I'd love to see France go out early again. I'd love that I'd, absolutely. <laughs> I'm on the. I'll go on the. I'll say the, that live on air. I'd to, love that so much. I'd love some infighting. And that's you know, only the Dutch, though, isn't it? Yeah, that's the, Dutch. no. Same to the French, French world. Well. Uh, do you remember Patrice Evra and yes. all that? Nicholas Nelka yes, yes, That yes, was yes, good. Yes. That was really good. I love that. <laughs> I'd love that to happen again. Kylian Mbappe to you know get sent home. You know uh, they that's... hate each other, don't they? Kylian uh, Mbappe and um, and Pogba. Uh, which well, doc- doctors and stuff Yeah, uh, there's an element of yeah, that but Pogba's yeah. no longer there
1: he's injured this tournament so ah, he won't be in shame. the squad that but I good. think Mbappe's uh, attitude generally this whole thing about him wanting to leave exactly. PSG I don't think that's warmed people up I'd to him and uh, yeah so That'd yeah, be great. That'd yeah be great I don't mean obviously yeah from my perspective obviously I want you know to see a Brazil victory it's been 20 years since Brazil have won the World Cup so I- I'd like to see uh, them do it. Um,
0: Brazil England final that'd be nice, wouldn't it? Um, yeah, for some people maybe.
1: <laughs> uh, I I genuinely think. I mean, uh, I think Brazil Argentina probably is a final everyone would like to see. <laughs> I think people want to see if Messi can, you know, have that crowning
0: glory of a World Cup. It's his fifth World Cup. Yeah, you know, he's so playing it's well. Like he's, he's playing said. well though at the moment, and he is. He's, and and he to is. be fair for him, mm. as you say, this is better timing. He's tight, yes. he, you know. old he's getting old. He yep. he's old. Tournament at the end of the season. Yeah, it's difficult for him at this mm-hmm. age. Whereas now he's, lo- it looks like he's flying at the moment. I've seen the last, I've seen some, you know, highlights of some yeah. of their Champions League games and stuff. He yeah. is, he's, he he's looks absolutely mode. flying. And yeah, you know, if you got someone like him in good form, mm. makes a, you know, that yeah. obviously he's still operating at that level. Yes. he's, uh, you know, for all, for all people saying, you know, about I think last season there was quite a lot of criticism on him versus a. Yeah. Cristiano, yeah, for example, yes, uh, you know, in, th- in that in that debate, at the moment, it looks like he's flying, and you know, if he goes, if he carries that into tournament, he hasn't done that much for Argentina. I no. uh, sorry, he won the the um Copa America, America, didn't he? But um,
1: but he's not he's not delivered in the way that Maradona perhaps did for Argentina, yeah. or you know, the big. You want your big players to show up at a World Cup, and yeah. I think you need one of those on your CV if you want to be in that goat conversation i think not to say that messi's talent is is undeniable there's no doubt about it some of the stuff he does at club level is mm. absolutely you know amazing um but i think in terms of world cup and, and for that legacy cup, you? you need one of those yeah, um so it'd be interesting to see how they pan out um england i mean i saw the squad announcement this week and i'm and i just i cannot for the life of me understand why someone like harry Maguire is in the england squad Let, i don't know why he plays
0: premiership football to be honest with you, look, I mean, I have to. Uh, look, so how I, is that possible? I have to agree. I mean, I don't. He's not. Um, it's. A, it is amazing, though, isn't it? Because I mean, I always thought he was a bit rubbish as well. But then, um, you know, at the last Euros, I think he was picked in the Euro team. Yeah, maybe. I well mean, that's not case, done by. Yeah. That's done by a, a you know a crowd that traditionally doesn't particularly like in England as well. Yeah, um, and they put him in the. T- I was amazed by that.
1: Yeah, but I mean, you know, form is form is temporary. Class is permanent. I don't know if he has either of those. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, you know, I he's mean, not going to start, though, is he? He's well, not. No, starting. He shouldn't. He doesn't play for. Yeah, Man yeah. United. So he's
0: not starting. He's just there for a bit of bit of banter. He's good around the lads, isn't he? Oh, oh well, it's, it's, it's,
1: <laughs> There's a lot of players like that but, by the looks of it. But no, it'll be interesting to see if. But well, I, I think the thing that England will struggle with. And, and this is the other thing. We talked about the Italy Euro final. You take off Harry Kane and you put a fast stri- striker in against you know two late 30-year-old centre-backs, you've got a real chance. Will they be able to drop Harry Kane if he's not scoring and getting in behind teams? Because you will need pace in this World Cup. Especially in this heat,
0: yeah, I agree. That was the weird thing in the last one. He didn't look mo- in the last Euros. He didn't no. look mobile. No, uh, and he's not the quick. He's not as quick as end normally, is he? That's why not. he drops into this number it, ten role yeah. for Tottenham. And he looked. He didn't look mobile. He wasn't scoring much. And again, you're right. The, Gareth Southgate doesn't look like he's likes to take these risks. Mm. Um, so, no, look. Well, look, let's, let's 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 see.
1: Yeah, let's see if Callum Wilson and Rashford can oh, firing England to victory. That. How be... good does that sound to you, Hamza? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah not that exciting but you
1: know let's see how it pans out but that'll be interesting i think uh you know it'll be interesting to see that that part of the world hold uh, hold a world cup it's quite historic as well you know they obviously do love the game they own most of the game uh they own psg and what have you so we'll see how that pans out but obviously football is a exactly sort of a universal religion right so we'll just see how that pans out and it'll be an interesting tournament yeah. uh nonetheless but uh i think uh Immediate, um, you know, thoughts and, and eyes will be on tomorrow's game at the World Cup final. Absolutely. We wish both teams and their supporters uh, well, and uh, you know, hope the nerves can handle it. So, you know, it's, it's always nervy World Cup finals. Uh, but I wonder if ninety two can repeat itself. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. Uh, but thank you to all of our viewers. Uh, sorry, our listeners, should I say? Uh, for joining us today on the show, uh, you know, feel free to uh, give us any comments, um, you know, via our Twitter handle at Voice of Islam UK, or via the website, which is www.voiceofislam.co.uk. Thank you to all. Peace be upon you.